In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents... Diet Starts Tomorrow with host Sammy Sage. I'm having a relationship with my pizza. And Aileen Drexler. I'm going to make you girls a hump day treat. In a world where wellness looks perfect on Instagram. Just doing my workout. Tuesday's arms and back. But feels anything but in real life. Is butter a carb? Yes. This is the podcast exploring the emotional side of well-being. I would be proud to partake of your pecan pie. From people who understand the struggle. I'm on the third day of my cleanse diet. Hello and welcome back to Die Stars Tomorrow. I'm Eileen. I'm Sammy. Today we are joined by Tara Schuster. She served as Vice President of Talent and Development at Comedy Central. She was the exec in charge of the award-winning show Key and Peele, Midnight and Lights Out with David Spade. Her book, Buy Yourself the Fucking Lilies and Other Rituals to Fix Your Life from Someone Who's Been There is the story of Tara's path to reparenting herself. I'm very excited to hear about this. And becoming a ninja of self-love. Also, this book has gotten so many good reviews. And our DST fam, the all of the DSTers have wrote in saying, we need to have you on. We need to talk about this. Um, and how it was life-changing. They literally specifically said life-changing. Oh, wow. So we are so excited to have you here today. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But before we started recording, I just was like, I'm such a Betches fan. Like, that's where I go to for, like, comedy. <laughs> oh, and, like, oh, I just want to, like, make my day more delightful. So I'm so thrilled to be here with you both. Well, thank you. That is the compliments of compliments. High praise. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Is that part of your reparenting to look for humor? Actually, yeah, because I find that um, I'm so clued into like what's going wrong. Like what problem do I have to solve? What's going wrong? Like how could I work harder that I actually really have to cultivate pleasantness? Like what am I doing in my life that's just like fun and isn't to like be productive, like make something like what's delightful. And so something on like Instagram, like, like Betches literally is just like a delightful little thing. That's like fun. And I I really think, especially in these darker times, we really need to pay a lot of attention to what brings us even a little bit of joy and then like cling on to those for dear life. That's how I feel. That's why, that's why they call us the lilies of the internet. So, yeah. <laughs> I love it. So, could could you tell us a little bit about, you know, I guess just you and to the extent what inspired you to write this book and then what is it about? Yeah, absolutely. So, as you guys said, I was an exec at Comedy Central running shows like Key and Peele and I thought that was my career, that I was in comedy and I'm going to find shows and develop shows. Um, and I never set out to write a book. I set out to save my life. Um, So I was born in a house where things came to die, like all of the pets, all of the plants, a family of deer that wandered into our pool, all dead. Uh, But my sister and I made it out alive uh, because the house, it wasn't under some like mystery hex. 
we had really neglectful parents, um, neglectful, psychologically abusive parents. And it was a pretty unfun place to grow up. So by the time I was 25, I just never had had parents in the sense of give you unconditional love, provide you with a sense of safety. Um, so I was just like this mess wreck disaster in Spanx, like living one crisis to the next crisis you would find me on the subway as the girl who was like hysterically crying next to you as you tried to like avert your eyes and pretend you weren't there. Like if I was on the subway on the one train with either of you, I'm so, so sorry because I was sobbing and it was a bad day. I probably was sobbing too. (laughs) This was like, if this was at the time you were sobbing, I was sobbing too. We should have just held each other. We should have just (laughs) sobbed together. Yeah. And so then, so I'd had, I had all this anxiety, really severe depression. Then I'd just go home and self-medicate with weed and booze and boys and basically anything to distract myself from my life. And this might've kept going this way, except that I hit rock bottom on my 25th birthday when I drunk dialed my therapist, had no recollection of doing so and threatened to hurt myself. Um, which is a very particular kind of shame. You know, as I was like playing back the voicemails the next morning on top of my like Laura Ashley, like duvet cover. And I'm like listening to my therapist, like desperately try to find me. That's when I realized if I don't save my life, I'm not going to have much more of a life to, to live. And a big thing that had gotten in the way of me looking for help was I, I felt like I shouldn't have it this bad. Like I didn't have the worst childhood ever. There was no physical abuse. Like I shouldn't be this much of a mess. So I never really like really tried to fix myself um, until that morning when I realized this is serious. Like this therapist who's perma calm and always drinking tea, like she's looking for me, like I need to get my shit together. So that morning I decided Okay. I don't have a mentor. Like I never had like a wise older mentor to tell me what to do. I don't have parents really, but what I do have is a Google doc and I know how to use it because I had always been really good at school. I had always been really good at work. I was, you know, good at work, but bad at life. And so that morning I decided, what if I turn this into a work project or a school project? And I made a curriculum of reparenting myself. Like what if I took this on. And and so I wrote down all the questions I had, like, what are values? What are principles? What are vegetables? Like genuinely, what are vegetables? Which one should I be eating? Is quinoa a thing? Is it good? Is it bad? What? And I went through this Google doc for five years. At the end of it, I had, it was 600 pages and I felt like a completely different person. And that's when I realized I had this book and that I had something to share with other people because I knew there were so many more people out there like me who felt like they shouldn't have it this bad, but actually were really suffering from mental health issues and that they could use a helping hand. And so that's what the book is. It's it's a recounting of how I reparented myself hopefully with funny stories. Like I'm looking for a few LOLs. Like I hope, I hope at a minimum it brings that, but I hope at a maximum it helps people feel less alone in, in their own struggles. How did you know what to like write on that blank Google doc? Like, how did you know what to start? 
how, where to start? I just, I was so desperate to be honest that I just started exactly where I was. Like, I didn't think about if I had thought about how am I going to get to like stable adult, that would have been too much. It was okay. just, how can I get through today? Like what, what would, um, like truly what our values, what our principles were two of the first questions I had. And I just Googled them. I yeah, literally I say I've done that before. <laughs> yeah. What are values? Yeah. 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 And and which one should I have? Right. And, the, and right. then I would just journal about it and like literally just through working through it, kind of figure out things like, oh, I wish I was more generous. Like I want to be a more generous person. Well, how do you do that? Well, here are a couple of ideas. How did that go? Like I'd experiment and and take notes. Right. So, th- but there's so many, there's so many components to like a quote, stable adult. Right. So like, did you, like, how did you not give up? Like, uh, how did you like know like where to go next? I feel like what you did for yourself is something that took me like six years of therapy and like, so many things to figure out. Yeah. And if I didn't have someone guiding me, like I wouldn't have even. Yeah. It's, you know, it's funny because often people they'll say to me on Instagram or something like, it looks like it's so easy for you to do your morning routine. Like I'm struggling to keep journaling. I'm like, no bitch, it's hard for me too. Like, it's not like easy to continue to, to do these things. But for me, I really think it was because I was considering taking my own life. You know, it was like that urgent that I knew that if I really, if I didn't fully commit to this, that the the outcome could be really dire. And I, I think the other thing is I was just always so into being a student because I didn't, Same. you know, because like all my validation came from external things, which is not right. So it's not always positive, but in this well, case. Well, it also is just so easy because it tells you what boxes oh, you just have to perform on this paragraph right. or like this test. And like, then you either like, there's, it's just very clear the steps to take. And right. like, why I'm so stuck on asking you, like, what steps did you take is because like, how, like, uh, like, okay. So like you started with values, like what did you do like in a month, like yeah. and in a year? Well, the biggest thing I would say that really was the game changer was I started journaling. Like that was like the turn all the lights on. I kind of can see things because then I had a roadmap because as I journaled, I realized, oh, wait, I'm unsatisfied with this friendship. This relationship isn't working out. And then I could kind of dive in. And and so the first um, ritual I write about in the book is writing it down saved my life. Journaling really, I call it DMing with your soul. Like it's the fastest way to get into like, what do I actually think? Not what do my friends think? Not what do my parents think? What do I think? What do I want? What are my questions? And so to your, to your question, I would just take what I had written in the journal and then kind of attack whatever was coming up. So how do you journal? Yeah. (laughs) For every, everybody who's listening probably has already journaled in the past, gave it up. Right. So I have, (laughs) how do you do it? So I've been journaling consistently for 10 years. And when I first heard about journaling, I like, I rolled so hard. I was like, this is never going to work for me. This is Mm self-indulgent, only self-indulgent narcissists would journal, like not for me. Um, 
But what I did was there's this um, practice called the morning pages, which this woman, Julia Cameron, created in the book, um, The Artist's Way, which is a fantastic book for anybody who is kind of like a blocked creative. But basically, you word vomit all of your thoughts onto paper every single morning before you do anything. So before I go on Instagram, before I check my email, um, literally before anything else, before the outside world gets to have an opinion about me or what I'm doing, I just word vomit everything out onto three pages and I've built it into my schedule. Like it's just a part of my day at this point. So a lot of people ask, how do you have the motivation to journal every morning? I took motivation out of the equation. It's just what I do at 6.40 a.m. That's it. Like, it's a habit. It's in my schedule. I don't have to think about it. The, the notebook and the pen are just there always waiting for me. And by making it that hardcore of a habit, it's just become a lot easier. So three pages unedited. Here's just how I feel. It feels like cat food has been the same forever. Smelly, boring, made of mystery ingredients. That's why you've got to try Smalls. Smalls cat food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients you'd find in your fridge. And it's delivered right to your door. Make the switch from kibble and give your cat a meal they'll love. We actually sent some to my friend who is fostering kittens and it is the only thing they will eat. It comes in these pate packages and you scoop it and you just feel like you're a chef for your baby kitties and they j'adore it. Your cute kitty is descended from ferocious desert cats who hunted live prey. Even if your cat prefers to nap all day, they still need fresh, protein-packed meals for a balanced and healthy diet. Other brands fill their food with mysterious meat byproducts, artificial flavoring, and preservatives with names I don't even want to try to pronounce. After switching it up to Smalls, 90% of cat owners reported overall health improvements. That's major. The team at Smalls is so confident your cat will love their product that you can try it risk-free. That means they'll completely refund you if your picky cat won't eat their food. Now is the time to make the switch to Smalls. Head to smalls.com DST and use promo code DST at checkout for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. That's the best offer you'll find, but you have to use my code DST for 50% off your first order. One last time, that's promo code DST for 50% off your first order plus free shipping, baby. So you talk a lot about morning routines and rituals that this is like kind of a key part of reparenting. So can you like talk about why that works and what types of things go into your routines and rituals? Totally. Um, so I think in the kind of house I grew up in, there was not a lot of safety. Things were chaotic. There were adults in and out. Again, family of deer just randomly dying in the pool. Like it was a scary place to be. And there was there were no traditions. There was nothing that was set. So when I started reparenting myself, I decided mostly by creepily looking at my friends' families, they had all these beautiful traditions. Like they'd have dinner together on Sunday nights. They'd, you know, had a family thing they did every summer. And I kind of was just like, let me copy this. Like, what are traditions and rituals I want in my life? And so for me, the morning is really the best time to do my rituals because before work, it's it's the closest I can get to my own freedom, to my own time. And all I have to do is wake up a little earlier to have it. So some of you know my favorite rituals would be 
I journal every morning. I now meditate after I journal and then I work out. And those three things done consistently more than any antidepressant I've ever taken, more than any therapy I've ever undergone. Those three things done together, I'm just like more in my body and in my mind and more aware of how I feel and more able to do something. Like instead of my thoughts taking me for a ride, I can kind of see like, wait a minute, like I don't have to believe everything my like great, like my brain is saying all this stuff. I don't need to believe everything. I get a little distance from myself, a little perspective. Um, So I think that's why the rituals were so important was just growing up in a ritual vacuum. Rituals Mm. feel good. Like it feels good to have stuff that you consistently do it. It feels good to your soul. What a, can you just, can we go back a second and can yeah. you tell us what reparenting even means? Like what was, what is the goal that you're setting out yes. to, to be or do? Yeah, totally. It's a, that's a great question. So reparenting is basically looking at your life as it actually is, not how you want it to be, not how you want to portray yourself on social media. What is your life now? Taking an inventory of how you're actually doing asking yourself, what wounds do I have? What needs healing? And then bringing yourself that nurturing like your most ideal parent would give to you. So often if I'm feeling a hurt or something goes wrong, I ask myself, what's the core issue here? What's what's really going on with me? Um, this friend said something unkind and it's hurting me in this way. What's that really about? oh, that's about my fear of actually being abandoned. Like that's the fear. How how can I comfort myself? And then giving myself that comfort. And I do this like every day. Like when a thing happens, I don't just like let it go. And and I think there's a lot of people, you know, I'll hear, well, I don't want to go to therapy because I don't want to just rehash the past. And the, the truth is the things you don't deal with, they deal with you. It's not like by ignoring stuff that happened earlier in your life, you get to move on. Like it will follow you. It will make decisions on your behalf. So all I'm saying is, wouldn't you rather have a little control? Wouldn't wouldn't you rather deal with the stuff that's dealing with you? And through reparenting, we can kind of be our own best parents and heal ourselves um, the, the best we can. And it's not just for people who had neglectful childhoods like mine. I have plenty of friends who feel, you know, have these issues with anxiety or depression and bring themselves reparenting, even though they had parents who nurtured the shit out of them. It's, you know, it, it's impossible for your parents to do everything for you, particularly as you get older and there are new things that arise and you have new issues with friends or relationships. So it's ultimately about taking responsibility for your life and and for your mental health. So it's kind of, you've you've become your own therapist. You've become your own therapist. In in a way, you you kind of become your own parent. you go to therapy every day. Yeah, (laughs) but in a non, but like my main thing would be like, and it's really joyful. Because in the book, so many of the rituals are about nice things you can do for yourself, ways that you can delight in your day. Like if this was hardcore therapy every single day, I couldn't do that. That'd be so depressing and exhausting. But can I put a hand over my heart and say, it's okay, sweetheart, when something, when I, you know, something at work doesn't go the way I wanted. Can I take myself on a nice little walk when I, you know, am worried about 
a project I have coming up. Like, yes, I can intentionally nurture myself. So like, where does this intersect with sort of like the social media understanding of self-care? Like, do you think that it overlaps or like partly or not at all? Or Yeah, it's such an interesting question because I I find myself like hitting my head against a wall with a lot of self-care because in my book, I'm offering free or close to free solutions, ways to nurture yourself. And while I love a sheet mask or a trip to Tulum, like love these things. If you'd like to take me to Tulum with you, cool, cool, cool. Like I'll go. That's not self-care. You know, spending money is not the same as taking care of yourself. The title of the book, Buy Yourself the Fucking Lilies, comes from I would be in Trader Joe's and I would, you know, I'm in the middle of this reparenting journey. And I'd see the lilies in their weird bucket of water, you know, and I'd fantasize about how they would like burst open with like the most wonderful perfume and and make my home elegant. But I'd say, oh, no, like I can't afford seven dollar flowers. Plus, they're just going to die. That's too decadent. That's not for me. And, you know, and I would just deny myself, deny myself, deny myself until one day I thought like, fuck this. Like, why am I working so hard if I won't? get myself $7 lilies. Like I'm at least worth $7 lilies. So for me, that kind of, that's a joyful, beautiful, natural thing that brings me some amount of happiness and comfort. A Botox something trip to a spa in a different country, that kind of self-care where you're just throwing money at the problem. Like that could be fun. A vacation is cool, but it's it's not self-care. Right, definitely. And I do think it can get so confusing. This episode is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always find the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you, Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for this season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. And you always have the option to buy what you love. I love Newly. I've rented so many cute things from there. And I've even made a few purchases from there. And they're always spot on. They have so many brands that I honestly could never afford in real life. So it's great to be able to rent them. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DST20. Just go to newly, that's N-U-U-L-Y.com, and enter the code DST20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's, with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. You mentioned that some of the techniques in your book are either free or close to free. Like, what... What are some things that are free that people can can do? So this is going to sound so cliche and I and I annoyingly it really works like no one's more annoyed than I am about this. But like working out, (laughs) 
like sweating, sweating for 20 minutes a day. You don't have to believe me, believe like scientists, like it just boosts your endorphins. Like it just does it. And it's sucks. Cause I'm a non-athlete. Um, but going for like a half an hour run, some of my favorite moments of COVID are just some of the runs I took of feeling the sun on my skin, feeling my body realizing, oh yeah, my body works. How cool and like yes, amazing. That's is- so true. If you haven't worked out in a while and you do it and you're like, wow, oh, this great. is what it what is. Yeah. Feel, yeah. You feel so your, your blood flow. You're like reminded like, yeah. oh, I'm a living body on this earth. Cool. Like that. That's one of my favorite. Um, you know, I maintain a gratitude list every day. I've written the 10 things I'm grateful for every day for the past 10 years, which again, a very privileged. Oh, it's very hard. <laughs> a, a very privileged waspy girl was the one who like introduced me to gratitude and, and her family's compound in Maine. I, <laughs> I was like, uh, you don't know me. I have nothing to be grateful for you who are a ballerina turned doctor Harvard grad. Yeah, I'm sure you have a lot to be grateful for. Okay. But I, me, no, I do not. Um, and this practice seems annoying, but I tried it on anyway, because I was working on that Google doc of, of all these skills. How am I going to reparent myself? And annoyingly, it really worked. Annoyingly, taking a minute every day to kind of open the aperture to like get a little more perspective on, oh, I don't have COVID today. Wow. Like in a global pandemic. Wow. That's actually a huge thing to be grateful for. Um, The sun is shining through my office window. Whoa, cool. I have an office like gratitude. Just it gets you out of your smaller problems pretty quick. Um, and is totally free. So I, I'd say working out in gratitude are two of the, the things that kind of like ground me and make me remember that there's a much bigger world than my um, anxiety and depression would some t- sometimes make me believe. You know, they, they really lock you in to a small mind. Have you ever gotten any like f- feedback or response about like, this all sounds great, but I tend to get in my own way. You know, like I can't, you know, it's hard. Like gratitude journaling is, is it's easy to stop. Right. You know what I mean? It's easy to stop working out or it's easy to just sort of put yourself second. Yeah. Like How- I'll, I'll say like, I know cause I've tried it, that journaling, meditating and working out makes me feel amazing. And I know I'm familiar with that feeling you described of like being more pleasant and sort of like being able to separate your, your emotions from your yourself and everything just it's true. It really does feel better, but I cannot keep it up. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, how, yeah. To, so how do you, I guess the, the question is, how do you prioritize yourself? Like, how do you prioritize these things yeah. when, when they don't feel like a priority? I, I totally get that. And I get that, that question all the time. I also get the question. It's hard to motivate to do these things. Like, how do I motivate myself to do it? And my answer, I think, is a little contrarian, which would be, can you be really, really nice to yourself? Instead of even looking at this question as the negative, like, I can't do this. What what can you do? Like, self-care, this whole thing is about nurturing you. I do not want to be a part of what's saying what's wrong with you. So my challenge to anybody who's having trouble, you know, picking up journaling or any habit is, what is one nice thing you could do for yourself today? Could we start there? 
Could we just start with you nurturing yourself? And can you do one nice thing for yourself tomorrow and then the next day? And like, can we start from a place of prioritizing yourself with lovely things and then get into journaling? Because as, as we started this conversation, I just don't think we spend enough time savoring what good things feel like. So then we're always, we're addicted to feeling bad. We're addicted to criticizing ourselves, to doing the wrong thing, to having that extra drink because we're just so used to it. So what I'm trying to say is let's orient ourselves a little differently and be open to feeling good. And it, it takes practice. It takes real practice to be open to feeling good. And then you start to see as you're like, oh, things are actually pretty pleasant. Oh, let me, I could maybe journal in this environment. I could pick this up and just keep trying. You know, um, it, it also, by focusing on what feels good, you force yourself to prioritize yourself. You're forcing yourself to take some time out of every day to do something nice for yourself. And, and that's what we need to do is, you know, I, I think self-care sometimes gets a rap as being self-indulgent. Um, honestly, of all the things we indulge, yourself should be number one. Like, I don't know why it wouldn't be. Um, the people in my life who are the, the greatest towards the community, who are the most generous, are generally the people who are not brittle because they're exhausted and they've given everything to everyone else. They're usually people who have a pretty, pretty good habits and they're taking care of themselves. So they've got a lot more room to take care of other people. So I would say it's kind of like a two pronged approach. One is start getting good at treating yourself well, just at a bare minimum. And, and the second thing is remembering that you actually are a priority and reminding yourself that that's okay, that it's it's really okay that <laughs> that that you are a little selfish with your time and and take care of yourself. It's so interesting the point you bring up about like kind of being able to like absorb joy because that is something that I have sort of recently noticed. Like I don't know how to do yeah, and trying to like work on that with my therapist, like because. Like the, it's so much easier to absorb pain and yes. negativity and like take that on and let it sort of like infect everything. But I really struggle to like, honestly, like sit in happy moments. Yes. Like, and I, I have to really remind myself, like, this is the moment you're, you're waiting for. This is the fun. You're at the fun. Like my husband, and I actually have a joke. Like whenever we go somewhere, like, we'll be like, okay, well, like, when's the fun? Gonna be? <laughs> like, and and we'll like ask ourselves like oh is this part the fun right like, is this part the 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 part you're waiting for and it's just like something we joke about like like to remind ourselves like this is the thing this is the thing we've been planning this is the moment we've been talking about the time to enjoy is now that's so smart though sammy because like that's actually how you build that reflex though is by being like it's now now is right. the fun thing so that you remember to pay attention because basically you know the you know your birthday party where it's like a blow and everything's fun like all these like fun big things i've ever planned i basically don't remember any of it because i wasn't paying any attention like it just kind of like blew past me i wasn't paying enough attention but the like sorrowful hard moments i can remember like you know crying on my bathroom floor or something so i'm really try to soak in like in that moment when you're with your husband you're like this is the fun it's like what does the fun feel like 
What, what does your skin feel like? What does this room look like? It's really being like, let me be really aware of what feels good. Well, usually I am a little anxious to get home, even amidst the fun. But um, <laughs> but when I'm home and I'm like petting my dog and like yeah. lying on the couch, I'm like, oh, this this is what you've been trying to get to. So just don't be bored because there's nothing to watch. And like <laughs> that's a big part of the book. Like the big part of the book is that we get oriented that the wedding, the bachelorette, these big moments, like when I get a vacation house, then I'll be happy. Like we get so wrapped up in the big things that we forget that there is a joy to having a sock drawer full of clean socks with no holes. When I open that drawer. I'm still working on that. <laughs> but like, but right. But it's like these little, little things like my bed being made every single day is a delightful, lovely thing. Like these really playing with your dog on the couch, walking down the street in the sunshine. That's such a big one for me. That's actually what makes up your life. These little mundane moments. And if you can learn to delight in them a little bit more, you make your life better. Like you're the right. overall your life, the quality of it is much higher than if you were to and it's free, totally free and available to everyone, no matter your circumstance, little delightful things. You know, you know how there's like, I guess like a concept around like money doesn't buy happiness. And like, as long as you have your basic needs met and you have this much income, like you, people are generally on average happy past a certain point. I do kind of feel like that is how, like people who don't have what even I'm not even saying like necessarily people in America, I'm saying like the world over, like obviously different groups of people live differently than we do and they live with much less and they don't seem less happy. Right. And I wonder like, does that, is that because they are good at embracing that? Um, it's, in yeah. it's interesting because, you know, I think like as I've climbed the ladder and, you know, met and worked with more and more celebrities and more and more wealth, you don't see somebody who like, oh, they made an additional $20 million. So they're $20 million happier. You don't see that. I still have to, I still have a tough time believing that from like your your first 20 million. <laughs> like I still do. I don't but know. I, I do think you can have 20 million and if you don't absorb the happiness you get from it, you're not going to be happy. I have to say, I mostly see people more stressed out about how they're going to keep the money, how they're going to maintain this lifestyle. They can give it to me. <laughs> me too, by the way. If they just want to yeah. DM me, I'm open. You, I'll give you my Venmo. But I, I really, I do think though that like we, especially in America, are married to the idea that the more income you have, the happier you'll be. We need to hustle to like get this job, to do this thing, to do this other thing. And I just rarely see external validation, including money, right? Like status through money. I have rarely seen that bring someone actual happiness. A little more security, sure, of course, but like joy, I, I, well, honestly, yeah. honestly, like, okay, I'm a person whose love language. I've actually been thinking about this a lot lately because my love language, I, I'm, I've been embarrassed to admit, but my love language is gifts. Like, I really just want to be given presents, like really nice, <laughs> fancy ones. I love that. And like, and like, I'm not afraid. I'm, I'm no longer embarrassed to say it because, like, I just do. Like, I, they objects make me happy. And what I've realized is that, like, it's okay for that to be the case. 
because I feel like I have started investing like a lot of appreciation into them. Mm. Like I've started trying to absorb like when I wear a new pair of shoes, like you're wearing the shoes that you wanted. Like look at them and admire them and like feel good in them. And like they, and when I think you do sort of like try to like register the happiness that either an experience or being with a person or an object or a massage brings you like, you can increase the level, like you can increase the earning, the the buying power of money and it's like ability to bring you happiness. I will say that my love language too, are you ready for it? I'm, I'm not, for the first time in my life, I'm not going to be ashamed to say this. My love language is gifts as well. I, (laughs) I love, sometimes I'll buy myself a present and I'll wrap it and then I'll unwrap it. Like, I love that. Right. The most exciting part is the box. Like as, is like opening the box. box Like, like it's the fucking box and the ribbon. It's It's like, there's something wonderful about getting a gift. Like the end of my book. Like, I know I'm here saying like, it's all like low cost and free and you don't need money. Okay. The end of my book is about a trip to Paris to buy my dream Chanel bag. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's not like, I'm like, Oh, like we just meditate. You get it. <laughs> no, but here's the, it, it's not that it's like, okay. If you aren't able to absorb like the beauty in your trip to Paris and your, and the fact that you can like buy yourself a Chanel bag, then you will never be happy. But if you can like have that and appreciate it, that's where the happiness comes from. Yeah. But I think the point is that you can also find happiness in not the Chanel bag. It's the whole thing. It's like the whole picture. I'm like, have the Chanel bag, but are you journaling? And and to your point, (laughs) part of what got me to, to be able to appreciate the Chanel bag is everything else that I did so that when I got that bag, yeah. it was like a talisman. It was like, yes. um, a, like the Rosetta stone of all the work I had done. And I had thought about this bag for a decade because like, to your point, I've invested it with energy. It's like a magical object. Like I don't buy stuff. Like, I don't just buy like random stuff. I'm not trying to spend my way into like, oh, if I just accumulate enough, then I'll be happy. But if you think about it and you like save for it and you like- It calls to you. Yes, exactly. Meaningful. Let me just quickly switch gears because, you know, this this is about, you know, Die Starts Tomorrow. This is our podcast. And a, we really like this quote from your book. It says, we get this one human body and whether you hate it or love it, it's yours. What, like, what's your relationship with your body? Do you talk about body yeah, so love in the book? I talk a lot about in the book about how much I did not like my boobs because I got them really early and I just felt like they were this weird appendage that was like matronly and made me look too big. And there was no way to like shape them. And like, I really wasn't into them. And I, at a certain point, I just started to think, this is so sad. If I'm going to spend a portion of my everyday hating my human body, what would be a way out of this? And what I realized was I needed to fake it a little bit, find a ritual, find something to honor myself and like try to trick my brain into liking my boobs. And so I started getting like 
very nice um, bras. And I've got a story in the book about going to Paris and a woman who looked like um, uh, uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg, like with those like great bangs and like you could just picture a cigarette dangling out of her mouth. Like she suggested I go to um, a Bon Marché, a store in Paris and, and get the perfect bra. And once I started taking care of my boobs of like, ah, uh, yes, they can, ha- they can, in French, they call it um, a, the poitrine. Like, how do you want them to face out? What do you want them to look like? I was like, wait, you can choose your own boob shape. Wait, what? And then I got just really into it. And now I can, through that process, like I'm in a great place with my body. Like, whoa, it works. First off, oh, it's a miracle that my body can move and do all these things. So cool. And then I I really take care to honor it, to, to give my boobs the bras they deserve, to give my skin such a nice slathering of lotion every day. And the nicer and nicer and nicer I am to myself, the more and more I become comfortable with myself. I think often we're like, I need to criticize myself or I'll never be better. Like I need, I need to be like harsh. And what I have found over and over again is that the nicer I am, the softer I am, the more compassionate I am towards this own body, the easier every single thing is. And so, you know, I I know we're in this culture of restriction and being mean and critical, but if you can find one thing about your body you absolutely love and focus on that, or instead of hating on the one thing that you don't like, try just to orient yourself to, well, what can I appreciate about it? Can I even trick myself? Can I do something nice that tricks myself into liking this about like my lips, my butt, my back, whatever it is, just see the difference. Like I, I just challenge everyone to just like take a, take a second and be like, how did that feel? And I would be surprised if the answer wasn't, it feels a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the tough love doesn't really. No, never works. It, maybe it works for some people. It like, does not work for there's me. There's always exceptions. But I think, yeah, it's um, it doesn't necessarily work long term. No, it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. And it and it um, and it also allows or it teaches you like um, patience because yeah. like I feel like the tough love approach you want results fast whatever you're looking for right whereas the compassion it takes so much longer to learn and make it come naturally and but those changes do happen in both with both like approaches it's just one takes more it's a process patience. and you know when you were asking earlier even about how do you keep these habits instead of beating yourself up for oh I didn't journal this month if you have the intention to journal, if you have the intention to do any of these things and you keep revisiting them, it's just a process. It, it, it takes everybody a different amount of time. Um, but like learning to love your body, if, if you can just remember, like, let me be a little patient with myself. Let me, let me give myself some soft love, not tough love, but soft love. Let me treat myself like my ideal parent would have. My ideal parent would have said, you're beautiful, sweetheart. Like you're beautiful just the way you are. So I say that to myself now because those are the words I need to hear. And it works over time yeah. with some patience. It does work. Because the idea is for you to sort of do it. You're come to that 
like sort of naturally do whatever you want to do yourself. Yes. And it doesn't come from force. There's this one. Yes. I don't know if it's like a cartoon that has always stuck with me my whole life. I don't know where I saw it, but it was like two pictures. One is like in, there's the sun and then the wind and there's one person with their jacket and the goal of both of them is to get this person to take their get their jacket off mm-hmm. I don't like have any context of what this is but the wind like forces it and forces it and the person puts the jacket oh. on and then the sun shines hot like harder and it takes a little bit longer but then the person just gets a little warm and takes the jacket off themselves so like I've always thought about that and this is actually the exact this this works for this conversation because it really it just it takes a little patience and then the idea is for you to kind of do it yourself. I could not love that more. I have to steal that from you because that's exactly <laughs> what it is. I don't know is. where I got it. It's like it is you know it's with your friends it's always a better it's always better if they think it was their idea some change they need mm-hmm. to make it's always better if someone thinks it's their idea yes so, yes so this is all about how do we give ourselves validation instead of give yourself the tools to come to the conclusions yourself rather exactly. than forcing it from some external exactly because that will last the rest of your life you know, like a, yeah. a personal trainer who like yells at you and like makes you feel bad. That's like an eight week thing. I'm talking yeah. about for the rest of your life. How are you going to do this? Right, right. Right. So just to just to wrap up, like a question. So I I found like that it totally works. Like like self compassion really does like lead to growth and change. But I think one of the hardest things is when you are used to like beating yourself up in your head. The first times you're like, you're beautiful, sweetheart, or you say like, you're okay, just as you are like, you don't really believe them, right? Because it's like one drop in a sea of a lifetime of self hatred. So like, how do you persist past those like resist, like the resistance that you have to believing that? So that is such a good question. I embrace the resistance. So the resistance is going to come up. So I need to work with it. So in my journal, for example, I started by doing positive affirmations of, so I'd write down, this is a great exercise. What are all of my core negative beliefs? I'm unlovable. I'm ugly. I'm never going to you know, succeed at my career. I would write those things down and then right next to them. So those were all my beliefs, like my limiting beliefs. Right next to them, I'd write the truth which is I am lovable and loved by my sister, my friends, you know, like list it out and kind of constantly remind myself that my beliefs are not the truth. And I don't need to believe my beliefs. They're just like these passing weird negative things. And if you really want to put some icing on this cake, I would come up with some positive affirmations that you can write to yourself every single day and when something, the resistance you're talking about comes up and is like, um, if I write, you're beautiful, sweetheart. And it was like, no, you're not. Like you gained three pounds from like, blah, 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 blah. I'd write back to it. I am beautiful. And like, I do feel good. And I'd really like have a conversation with yourself because we often ignore ourselves. We're like, well, that's just a passing thought. I won't deal with it. It's your life. Like you have to deal with it. And and the kinder you can be to yourself, the more resilient, the more fun you're going to have, the more joy. So 
I would start experimenting with really seeing the difference between your limiting beliefs and the truth and giving yourself some of those positive affirmations. And if you roll your eyes and things that cheesy and gross, cool, 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 cool. I thought they were cheesy and gross too. Just stick with it. Like what's the worst that could happen? What is the worst that could happen from you writing some positive affirmations for a week? Like nothing. There's no worst case scenario. What's the best case scenario? You could feel a lot better. Like, why not just try? It's yeah. true. Totally. Completely. Thank you so much, Tara. We really appreciate you taking the time and telling us how to reparent ourselves. Yeah. And congratulations on like, you know, doing it yourself. It's really amazing. It's like quite an accomplishment because I think everybody listening was like, wow, I kind of want that for myself. Um, so yeah. where can people, I'm assuming you can buy your book wherever books are sold. You can buy the book wherever (laughs) books are sold. You can chat with me on Instagram. I'm Tara Schuster. And if you sign up for my newsletter at taraschuster.com, I give one new self-care kind of tip every week, but it's also just a place where you can talk to me and talk to other people who are kind of on this path to reparenting as well. Well, that's great. Everyone... Go buy Tara's book and email us DST at Betches.com. If you have any questions, follow us at Die Stars Tomorrow. I'm at Aileen. Sammy's at Sammy. And we're always with you through thick and thin. Diet Starts Tomorrow is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales-Pico. Editing by Stacey Wong and Sean Kilby. Social media by Sydney Rafe. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to dst at betches.com. Betches.